from the creators who brought you RuPaul's Drag Race and Million Dollar Listing. This is World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's edition of the Wow Report where we count down the top 10 things that make us go wow. Wow. This is a very special edition because uh, I'm Fenton Bailey, co-founder of World of Wonder, with my other co-founder, the very rarely cited, hard to track down, Randy Barbado. Hello. And our chief creative officer, Tom Campbell. And the weird, funny thing is, even though we're all in our little separate places, we're all actually in the same country. We're currently all in England, in London town. So... Having a ball. Color for you. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. So we're counting down the top 10 things that made us go wow this week. Let's start where we always start at number 10. Tom. Number 10. Now, I don't know if this story has made it across the pond to the United States, but there's this guy called Prince Harry. You with me? <laughs> and he has a, a memoir of sorts. Oh my God. The Harry thing. This is. This is what the, this is the straw that has broken my camel's back, which is I tried to stay so above this, to be so not interested, to be so and this hairy inter, set, series of interviews, the links from the book, the audiobook, are consuming my mind night and day. Um, we've talked about this nonstop, so it's not a lot of discovery here, but. The ITV interview, uh, let's just start there because that's the one I saw over here. It was the first one. And the interviewer, who was a very friendly interviewer, asked him three things, which is right away. He goes, are you pro-monarchy? He's like, yes, I am. He goes, do you love your family? Yes, I do. Do you want to reconcile with them? Yes, I do. Would you like to spend the next hour and a half ripping your family to shreds? And that's what happened. So that's, <laughs> that's, that is... I'm, I'm open for other points of view. No, no, that just, but you know, anyway, what do you think? Let's talk. No, no, keep going. Keep, cause I know you feel so strongly about this and I, and I have a, di- a different point of view. So I, I should let you. No, I, you've got the point of view. It's also, you know, he's been, it's just, I find him a little bit flat and dull. Um, but yet I'm totally consumed. So again, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm, I'm better than you or better than him. Um, but he, you know, just his affect. And Fenton, you sent that audiobook clip today where he talks about um, putting the the lotion on his frostbit penis and it smells like the lotion his mother used. To, I mean, Tom, I did share that clip, but I just assumed that was a deep fake. I was sharing it because I was convinced it could only be a deep fake if you're putting ointment that reminds me, reminds you of your mother on your penis. I, is Your it real? It's real. <gasps> I I think it's a beautiful example of how naive he is, and how he's grown up like he's grown up the center of of all this attention, yet completely alone. And I think he does believe in all these things. I think he does say, "Yes, I'm not an anti." monarchy and I love my family and this and that, but both things can be true. He can then go on to rip it all apart, which I'm happy he is because the monarchy is so like, it's insane at this stage in, in the world, like goodbye. I'm so happy. It's creating all this chaos. They should all be like, it's, it is insane. 
that there's a monarchy that exists in 2020. It's stupid. It's so antiquated. And the fact that he defends it makes him indefensible to me. But that, but that part, like, I, I just feel like he's a lost soul. And he's like, and he's also a bit of an alien. And so he says things that you're not supposed to say out loud. You're not supposed to really talk Unless about- you've been given about $40 million. Yeah. Then you oh, might right. talk about and that's that. Where I feel the most sorry for them because I think the business model here is really <laughs> unsustainable in the sense that they left the royal family and they decided they'd make a living as the Sussexes. And so far, the only way they can make a living is by talking about themselves and revealing themselves and family secrets and scandals. And once you've done the Netflix series and once you've done the podcast and once you've done the book, there's a point at which no one's going to pay you any more money to tell any more stories. Although I still am reeling from the fact that he put ointment on his penis that reminded of him. I'm just like, this cannot be real. So, but in the UK, I think there's a very different view about it than in the US. Like I feel Americans are more accepting Whereas Brits have just got no time for it at all. Fenton and I are very British, and Randy, you're very, very American. I really am, <laughs> and I, I, I feel, I still feel some kind of empathy towards him, and I think he's lost, and I don't think, I don't think that his, mo, I think. I, I don't know. I don't think he's I don't a, think you're no, wrong. I don't no. think he's a monster. It's not one-sided. But can I just reveal something about you, Randy, which I hope you don't mind. I guess we can always cut it out, which is you once said that your fetish is... Other people's fetishes. Which is you're attracted to the strange, to the lost, to the to the bizarre. I connect with him. He, he feels like an alien. I, I connect. Hold on. I'm just getting my room service. Carry oh, on. Sure. Well, it's 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 dinner time here in the UK. Right. Doesn't believe in a monarchy, but is happy to accept room service. I mean, how does that work? <laughs> like, what is Randy having for dinner? For those of you it's watching like the show on our YouTube channel, room Randy, service. that is two like... glasses of wine. Not judging, well, just saying. Have a visitor. <laughs> oh, Prince Prince Harry is on his way up. <laughs> no, I got because I'm thirsty. Thank you. Well, Randy, you know, not all institutions are bad, right? You want to burn it down like the Republicans, right? They just want to burn down and promote chaos. Because he is doing none of that. He is making his money on the fact that people are fascinated with the the royal family and that they will continue to rule and he will. So he's playing into the family saga. He's he's doing it in a dirty way. And if he, you know, if he was anti-monarchy, I could get behind him. If he wanted to burn the house down, I could get behind him. Um, if he wanted to work on returning the blood diamonds in Megan's tiara that she wore the day of her wedding to uh, make reparation, you know, once you start to take away the history of institutions, you're lost. You get nothing. So I don't know. I, I'm sounding much more angry than I mean to be. But it's it's it, I just I kind of feel bad because I feel like he's shooting himself in the foot. But clearly, it's making money. It's on everyone's mind, and maybe that's their future. Um, I think the real test will be the Netflix second series because apparently they've commissioned another series and I just wonder what they're going to do in season two. Maybe they'll look for Bigfoot. 
<laughs> I think this Thank book you, could be a camp classic, though. I mean, if that quote is real and if that's anything to go by, I mean, there's also another exchange, isn't there, where um, Harry and William had a fight and William's supposed to have said, Africa is mine. Um, you, you know, the elephants, yeah. the giraffes, you, you, it's mine. You can't have it. And they're like fighting yes. over Africa. It's like, it's kind of- Sibling really rivalry on a, on, a, on a global scale. Oh, right. For many, many years, Kathy Griffin and a bunch of women and Margaret Cho used to do used to do readings from celebrity biographies, and you'd go and watch them, and they were just hilarious. I think this uh, this, this Prince Harry's spare will reignite that trend. Maybe we can sell that to uh, to Netflix if they're listening. Yes, I love that. We should get we should do like we should do our own Audible version. I like j'adore that idea. All right, let's move on to number nine, Randy. Number nine. Well, number speaking nine. of aliens. Jennifer Coolidge. Um, there, there are some connections between her and Harry. They're, they both feel like these, these outsiders who you slightly want, you feel a connection to them. They feel like, like they sort of feel like you need to protect them. Like she always, don't you always feel like you need to slightly, I, I don't know. Yes. But she doesn't shit talk the people who've helped her along the way. I know, I know, I know. I'm, 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 I'm stretching a bit. Her, her speech at the Golden Globes was just so amazing. And it was so real. And yes, she's a comedian, so she knows what she's doing. And yet also there's this authenticity and it speaks to all of us. That's why, you know, it is so exciting to see her as successful as she is today because we can all root for her. And if you um, didn't see it, she kind of just thanked the people who gave her the little jobs along the way to yeah. keep her afloat. Michael Patrick Crane, Ryan Murphy. She never starred in anything. She'd have a little piece here, a little piece there, but it kept her going and it kept her, you know, someone believed in her. And here she is now getting all of this uh, glory for White Lotus one and now two. And, and, and it was really beautiful the way at the end that she, that she spoke about Mike White, who also is this incredibly talented creator of White Lotus and is, made lots of great stuff for many years now. And he's this sort of gay outsider writer. It's great to see both of them riding high in Hollywood. And they both are outsiders. They are not the sort of people you expect to be riding so high in Hollywood. So that warmed my heart. You know, Randy, if you're looking for the monarchy of the USA, it surely is Hollywood. I mean, you have celebrities and their children are often celebrities. There's this big Nepo baby moment we're having in the culture. Harry, famous for nothing. It's very Kardashian. He's famous for nothing, but he's not, he's trying to escape where he is. And yes, you're right. The way he's doing it, I like, it probably isn't right, but I, I do feel sympathy towards him and Fenton, yes, I'm, I would love to burn Hollywood down. I feel like that's what we've been trying to do forever. And I think that Jennifer and Mike White are examples of this alternate Hollywood. And anyway, yeah. I would say this. To the barricade. You know I'm no <laughs> radical, but there is the fantasy of burning something down, which I, I always give you guys my big line to people like, you tell them pass. And of course, then we do it. But, you know, <laughs> but the idea of burning Hollywood down and burning institutions down is great. 
but you kind of have to work from within. So maybe that's what Harry's trying to do, but you, you, you know, you can make more difference fighting the battles inside the machinery than spitting out. So I'll, I'll, I'll give Harry who somehow has seeped into number nine, Jennifer Coolidge. I will give Harry <laughs> a, a tiny benefit of the doubt. Although I don't, I don't feel like he has the gravitas like a Jennifer Coolidge to <laughs> communicate to a lot of people and make them love him. But again, there's so much love in the well, States. It sort of depends on how you view the world, I guess. All right. You, you know, do we want to keep talking about the Golden Globes? Because we could do that at number eight. Number eight. Let's do it. Do we have thoughts and feelings about the Golden Globes? I, I sort of I, did actually have thoughts. I'll kick it off by saying I had a visceral allergic reaction to the Golden Globes. I thought, hang on a second. Just a year ago, they were being called out for being racist and exclusionary and elitist and white, which may well be true. I'm not saying it's not true. But then suddenly, a year later, the show is back on TV and it's as if nothing had happened. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not quite that because, of course, the host, who was amazing, actually, black and gay, and made jokes about it. But I was just suddenly thinking, I am so sick of award shows and actors talking about their roles and all the lead up to the award shows, the the round tables on the Hollywood Reporter, um, just artists talking about their process. And all they're really doing, let's face it, is pretending to be people on camera. And I'm not saying that that's not great. It is great, but it doesn't truly have gravitas. It isn't really like fighting in a war. Is it really? I mean, no. I just sort of the thing is, was a sort of there, there was a time when award show, when we had three channels and award shows were a chance to see everybody in the same room. Now, I will say two things. I didn't see, I didn't watch cuz I'm over here in the UK. I didn't see the show linearly on television. I watched a bunch of it in clips, which is the only way to watch anything like an award show because they they are old fashioned, they are spread out. And I will say just for that Jennifer Coolidge moment, when when you have her a little bit drunk, you have Mike White a little bit drunk, you have movie star, like it, the, the combination, the Golden Globes is a, I've been to parties at the Golden Globes. I haven't been to the actual room, but like it's a magical place because uh, everyone's there. You know, it's like and everyone's anything idol Anything can there. happen. Anything can happen there. Yes. But you got to wait two hours for one thing to happen, which can kind of get you a little tired in between commercials. But supposedly they moved it from Sunday night to Tuesday night. You got the worst ratings ever. Um, they moved it because they didn't think it was going to do well on Sunday. And it calls into question just award shows in general. The other thing that Randy and Fenton have been saying is, when will World of Wonder be given the Oscars to, uh, to produce? Because I think we could have some fun. We might burn it all down. I don't know. I mean, when you, Fenton... Award shows aren't necessarily meant to have gravitas. When you think of it as an entertainment proposition, I think the Golden Globes are the ones I'm the most interested in seeing because they're drunk. And and there were a couple moments. There was the Regina King moment was pretty funny. Did you guys, any of you see, see that where yes. uh, she gave her best actor and um, what's his name? Yellow, not Yellow. Yellowstone? Kevin Costner was not there to accept. Yeah, because he had to, he had, yeah. He was stuck in Santa Barbara in the rain. Uh huh. And, um, you know, for his own safety, he had to um, shelter in place. 
He had to shelter in place yeah. in Santa Barbara, yeah. which is very funny. I mean, the limo is. couldn't make it there. Even the SUV limo couldn't make it. Yes. But she, it was funny to see her joke about that and also to watch her realize it's not funny to joke about it, but to go there because it's, it, it is, you know, anyway, that's dangerous. That's fun. That's interesting. You're, gonna, you're not going to see that on the Academy Award. I think, Fenton, you don't watch an award show for Gravitas. No, I don't watch an award show for Gravitas. I think what I'm having the reaction to is the months and months of campaigning and the emails that flood into the box of endless screenings and roundtables and the sort of the way everybody's presenting and making their case that they are the most deserving of an award. And it just all seems a bit Oh, it's a popularity I, it's, contest. And, and if you really go down to it, it's a carny trick because it's just hucksterism because there is no such thing as a best movie of the year. There is no such thing as the, a best actor. Uh-huh. It's, 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 a, it's subjective. It's not objective. So it's all this hoopla to, to bring in money. And, God, you know, again, that's about the machine, right? That's about uh, dollars and cents and things of that nature. All right. Well, it's just the beginning of awards season, so I think we're going to hear and see a lot more of this kind of stuff in the next few months all the way through to the Academy Awards. In the meantime, you can watch the 2023 Golden Globes on Peacock. Let's take a quick weenie break. Um, Blake, have you got a question for us? I do. What did Prince Blake was William... trying to get on. It took a little time. I'm worried. <laughs> what did Prince William and Prince Harry call each other? Okay, we'll have the answer right after the break here on The Wow Report on Radio Andy. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Welcome back to The Wow Report. I am Fenton here with Randy and Tom and Blake. Uh, James St. James is away this week. Uh, We send him lots of love. We hope he'll be back next week. Um, Blake, you had a question for us. I did. What do Prince William and Prince Harry call each other? What are their pet names for each other? Important facts that I've learned in this past week. Uh, William calls Harry Harold. Is that mm-hmm. correct? Yes. And I don't know. I don't know what uh, Harry calls Willie. Willie. That's it. Will Harold and Willie. Oh. We are counting down the top ten things that made us go wow. We've reached number seven. Number seven. Randy is multi-purposing. He's having his dinner while doing the show, which I just think is fantastic. So I want to I want to do double duty while I'm doing the show. And I want to check in with Blake, who I've not had a chance to talk to all week. And I want to know about the weather, the rain, the, the 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 hurricanes, the tornadoes. What's going on? Are we okay? Are we underwater? What's going on? Well, it has been raining cats and dogs here. Um I think we're okay. I haven't really, I'm surprised I haven't really heard of any major mudslides or anything like that, thankfully. In LA. Um, in LA, yeah. Um, we are supposed to be getting more coming up on Saturday and Monday. We're having these atmospheric rivers, which I'm not really sure what that means, but I've heard the the words a lot. I think that's Joan Rivers' granddaughter, Atmospheric Rivers. <laughs> and she's a Nepo baby. <laughs> I think she is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you guys uh, ever had like the rain flood anything in LA? I went out yeah. once 
this is kind of a, 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 a not an exciting story, but like you know, whenever you see on the television and, and there's some doofus in his pickup truck sitting on the roof of his car and he's like in the middle of an intersection, like why did you drive into seven feet of water? Well, I was out one night in LA many years ago, and there was what I found out later a flash flood that flooded like all of these parking garages off of La Cienega. And I was, and you, you, it's, it's, it's scary. Mother nature is scary. And the water can accumulate so quickly that you do sort of before, you know, you thought you were just going out to get, you know, some entomans, you know, just like a regular night. And then boom, you almost die. That's my story. That, I, so you I almost was, died. I've lived through it, which is why it's, it's a really dull story, but no, but the water came <laughs> up high enough that it was, I think above my, up, you know, it was up to the side of the doors. It just lifted my car a little bit. Uh, as I was going down like Sunset Boulevard or something crazy, just like, and I thought like, I, I did not see this coming. It just seemed like a rainy night. It didn't seem like something terrible was about to happen. And I, I narrowly escaped. I could have only work on the story and I'm, I'm going to get injured in it. You guys talk for a while. And like, the <laughs> did you that. see, well, um, there are two things that, that this rain that I've been thinking about this rain. One is I read somewhere that even with all of this rain, um, the impact won't be significant on the drought in California because there isn't a system of capturing of keeping it. Rain. Yeah. So it's I know I feel like we're in a loveless relationship as much rain as we pour down onto California. It's like, yeah, the reports always like, but it's not really going to help the other uh, thing. It feels like there must be some super smart minds out there that could help solve that problem and somehow capture that rain don't get me started as they send missiles to mars just like work on here people work on here i know that i can't do both i i can multitask but i can't have those two things happening okay. at the same time sorry well and then did you did you guys see the any home renovation you do have to install rainwater tubs now to collect the rain for your garden Oh, so, Randy, you're redoing your house. You're going to have to have some water tubs put into your house to collect the and rain. Do you, that's where you also shower and and. I don't know what you do with it once you've collected it. <laughs> okay, did you guys see that clip with Ellen DeGeneres in her backyard? I yeah. saw it. I didn't listen to it. She just she uh, yes, it's it's dramatic. It's the beginning of uh, Act Three for Ellen. And I like it because I like, you know, it's very real and authentic. She's in her backyard and she has her, a gray hoodie on. And um, she's pointing out that we've made Mother Nature angry. Ellen, you've made Mother Nature angry. You know, don't drag me into this. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and I'm sorry. It was. It almost looked superimposed. I'm sure it was real. But it was this, not a stream. It was like the Mississippi River going down. So it's uh -huh. like when your backyard can withstand the Mississippi River going through it. Again, I lose a little bit of uh, a little bit of empathy. Sorry. Bitter, I'm a bitter Betty. James isn't here, and all the bitterness falls onto me this week. <laughs> I feel that number my number six has a connection to all this talk about rain. Number six. I happen to be watching a show on Netflix called Ancient Apocalypse. And it's by a guy, the host of the show is a guy called Graham Hancock. And it's a multi-part series. And the thesis, he's very, he's, he's a sort of, he's kind of a believable older guy. And he's sort of wandering around ancient sites you know, seems credible. Um, but he's very anti-archaeologists because 
his thesis is that, let me get this right. I think, yes, 12,000 years ago, there was a flood. Now, we all know from the Bible that there was a flood and Noah's Ark and what have you, right? And it, God was cross with mankind and wiped mankind out with a giant flood. Well, his thing is, it just so happens there's lots of reports in lots of ancient cultures about floods wiping everything out. And so his thesis is that there used to be another ancient civilization, a very advanced civilization that existed before our current civilization that was wiped out essentially by a giant global flooding event, an extinction event. And his belief further is that this ancient civilized race were all giants and that these giants built all the pyramids around the world because we were talking about this the other day with James, weren't we? That, um, you know, that how is it that all these ancient civilizations thought to build pyramids and we're discovering all these ruined pyramids so- in Egypt, in um, Cambodia and in, in Mexico and South America. So his whole thesis is there was this ancient civilization and they, the few survivors taught humanity math, architecture, agriculture, um, and the humanity survived the giant flood um, that was caused by multiple comet strikes. Wait, the few survivors were giant? Were the few survivors giants? There were no survivors. Well, that they, right, one or the other. I'm not quite sure which. I haven't got to the end of the series, but you get the general idea. So to the giants, they weren't the great pyramids. They were the kind of the medium-sized pyramids. It was just like, like playing blocks. Yeah, there was just mm, Legos. <laughs> People are very upset evidence? about this and say it's a very dangerous show and that it's sort of half-baked and it's sort of conspiracy theory-based and blah, 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 blah. Oh, well, and that it's racist. Spread also. that poison here at the WOW Report, Fenton. How, that's wonderful. <laughs> this is on Netflix, right? Let, wait, let me it's guess. It's doing very well on Netflix. Um, although The Guardian calls it the most dangerous show on on television or something. Well, made you read. Um, okay. Yeah. Well, we still haven't figured, they really, no one's, I used to watch those a lot as a kid, but like all the theories of how the pyramids were built, and I've never really heard anything too convincing yet. Yeah, I always like that Eric Von Daniken guy, Chariots of the Gods. You know, he uh, looks yeah. at all those like runways in South America and says that, that it was spacemen. And it's kind of like the um, Prometheus, the first alien film by Ridley Scott, a little bit like that. I mean, I love it as a story. I, you know, I can tell you're both absolutely fascinated. I, I'm, 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 I'm going to, right when I get off here, I'm going to go put my Netflix on. That's right. That's Ancient Apocalypse streaming on Netflix. Randy, number five. Number five. Oh, this is a simple thing that I just, it was just personally touched me and surprised me. And um, I was watching a movie on an airplane, which by the way, is has become the only place I really watch movies and watch. And I, so I probably shouldn't even be talking about this movie because when I'm on an airplane, I have a very deep connection to whatever I'm watching because it's, one of those rare places where I'm completely disconnected to everything and my focus is so singular and I unplug. And so 
whatever movie I end up watching on an airplane, a spe- there's a special relationship. And known. I watched Nope. Did anybody watch Nope? Nope. It came out a nope. few months ago, right? Yeah. Jordan Peele. And it really surprised me, my my connection to it. It's either because of the movie or because of the plane or a little bit of both. But um, it's it's a very beautiful movie. And it's not... Um, here's, here's the thing that, for me, the takeaway for me, what, number one, is I've actually been thinking this guy's pretty talented for a really long time. And he really is. He's, you know, he went... Incredibly. Super... Jordan Peele, super, super funny and super smart. And, and his filmmaking is super interesting to me. And um, this movie is like a horror movie and, and a bit of a sci-fi movie as well. Neither genres are particularly interesting to me usually. Um, Cinematically quite beautiful, but, and it involves an alien presence and, Basically, I'm going to ruin it, but the way Spoiler that he, the way that he sort of he outsmarts the alien in the end because there's an alien sort of or there are aliens or spacecraft hovering over um, where he lives, and um, the way he kind of outsmarts him is not to sort of fight with him. But to, uh, to to not look at him, to not look at the spaceship. It's this thing that, it's the simplest of things, but the way he stays alive versus everyone else who gets sucked up into this alien vortex is to never confront, but to always look down. And in the process of that, figuring out a way to outsmart. And I thought it was kind of, this interesting and profound message about the times we are living in, these polarizing times where everyone is endlessly confronting one another and nothing is getting, is evolving or changing. And I, so I, 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 I don't know, I put this on and I expected one thing and I, I came away super moved and I thought it was pretty profound and appropriate for the times we're living in. Question? Did did you cry like a baby? I didn't cry. I wasn't stoned. I did I didn't cry like a baby. I, I often do, but not I was just surprised. I was moved. Now I need to see it. And I wanted to see it when it came out, but just you know how the it's like movies and everything and TV shows are like waves on the beach. They kind of crash down and then recede. But I want to see it. I mean it is that idea, that simple idea of, of what you pay attention to is what you become kind of, even even the corny expression. But like, if you look at the lights of the oncoming traffic, you'll veer into, you know, it's like stay in your lane, focus on what you need to focus on. I totally agree with you about confrontation. I'm trying so hard just to care less and not, not in a, not in my moral center, but it, I don't need to have an opinion about stuff. This whole show is about that. Um, I, uh, right. I <laughs> used to be, I don't need to counter what people, you know, and looking for similarities. I'm a cornball, but you know, since my yes. high school reunion, I told you, it's like, I have people that help shape my life who I live with for, you know, 12 years. And, uh, I don't care what their politics are. I care about them, you know, and what they did to my, are doing, didn't do my life. Anyway. There's a beautiful sentiment. Um, let's take a break on that note. Hey, house of love. 
is the exclusive drink of RuPaul's Drag Race just in time for your season 15 viewing parties. Tom, it's available in how many delicious flavors? Uh, we have two delicious mocktails, which are alcohol-free and delicious. Everyone's part of the party. And I think we have three or four. We might be out of watermelon vodka. It's sold so well. But we have a tangerine margarita. We have a, 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 a strawberry daiquiri. And we have this pomegranate lime vodka, which is, I'm told, because, you know, I'm, I'm more of a mocktail guy. It's quite delicious. Yeah. And you could also, the other thing. You know what, it's making an appearance on this, this, uh, this, this week's episode of RuPaul's Drag Race. It's mentioned in the main show, and the queens are enjoying it uh, in the very colorful cans and untucked, which I know, but it's, you know, because, you know, we have a little bit to do with this brand. It's kind of exciting to see it, uh, you know, land on uh, television and into the world. And have it was its, exciting uh, to see Drew Barrymore drinking mocktails uh, today, yes. I believe. That was fun. Yes. It's all a, you have to do is all your own and you can get party packs, the all-star, the squirrel friend, the variety box and the hall of fame for your viewing party pleasure. All right. We're going to take one quick break. Blake. Yes. Speaking of drinks, what flavor of soda did PepsiCo just reveal that they are discontinuing this year? It's been out since 1999. Hmm. We'll have the answer right after the break here on the Wow Report. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Welcome back to the Wow Report. I'm Fenton here. Very special episode. James is out, but we've got Randy eating his dinner and Tom and Blake. And you had a question for us, Blake. I did. PepsiCo just announced that they're discontinuing this flavor that's been around since 1999. What is it? Um, I can't, I'm not a big Pepsi guy. Um, I want to say like it's Pepsi Crystal, which I don't think exists anymore, even though it came out in the 80s. I'm too old. No. Is so Pepsi in the name? No, Pepsi's not in the name. It's not Mr. Pibbs, because that was much older. I don't know. I, I, my childhood was in the 60s and 70s, darling. It's Sierra Mist. No! Rest in perfection, Sierra Mist. Also, Did they give a reason? Not really. They said they were going to replace it with something that's more like Sprite. But I thought that Sierra Mist was more like Sprite. So we'll see. Crazy. Did you drink Sierra Mist and Atmospheric Rivers? Today on the Wow Report. <laughs> we are counting down the top 10 things that made us go, wow, we've reached number four, Tom. Number four. Quite often we reserve number four for a rest in peace segment, and today is no different. Just, I think, two or three days shy of her 99th birthday, um, actress Carol Cook passed away at home, uh, reported by her husband of like 60 years, Tom Troop, Tommy Troop. Um, her name isn't instantly recognizable. If you have a picture of her, you'll know her immediately. She had bright Lucy red hair because she was friends with Lucy, big saucer eyes. And she played um, the grandmother in 16 Candles, uh, mm-hmm. the Hansy grandmother, like the breasts are coming in. She was also in, if you're of my generation, The Incredible Mr. Limpet, 
which was, I was talking to RuPaul about this today, which is a movie where Don Knotts in the early 60s um, becomes a fish and half the show is animated. She plays uh-huh. his wife. Um, and she also has a famous scene with um, Richard Gere in American Gigolo. She was one of his tricks. Um, but she's been on every show known to man. She um, came to Lucy's attention like in 1959. They became best friends. She like had her on the show all the time. It was uh, reported that even after Desi left Lucy, Carol moved in for a while. She was like the girlfriend who could help her out. And um, she just, I have the, everyone has a story about her because she was famous for hanging out at the Hamburger Hamlet on Sunset, which was a great place. Where places. I knew her from Orso, my Orso days. Orso's not there anymore. And she'd always be there, I guess, with her husband, Tommy. And it always looked like a bunch of gays around her. I'm sorry, but it did. And you'd always go over and be like, and she would have you. She would like take you. And she'd have like a black pashmina on and a big like jewel. And I said, oh my God, what a beautiful jewel. And she goes, thank you. She goes, it's a fake. I keep the original back at the motel. She was like, <laughs> crazy. And my friend, another friend wrote about how, um, oh, Frank DeCaro had her on an interview and he posted, he said, he goes, you know, what's the, the secret to your and Tommy's long, long relationship? Is it a sense of humor? She goes, no. She goes, I'm one of the best fucks in town. She was just this <laughs> funny, dirty old lady, you know, in her 90s, well into her 90s, she did a, a, a string of, of, of dates at 54 Below, which is that cabaret in New York. And she said, at this point in my career, you know, I, I, you know, uh, I don't do this for my career. She goes, I have jewels that are bigger than this room. But uh, so anyway, she was fantastic. And she also famously, Resistor of the Week, um, she, I guess Craig's was one of her new places she hung out at. Craig's on Melrose, which is very swanky. Uh And she was uh, approached by TMZ reporters uh, in September 2018. And she said infamously, and I'm quoting, so don't, she said, where's John Wilkes Booth when you need him? (laughs) Right. (laughs) And she had the FBI uh, visit her and she was quoted from TMZ. You know, they couldn't have been nicer. I can't go to prison. The stripes are horizontal. They don't look good on me. So she just <laughs> had this incredible joie de vivre. She was always on. She was a gay man's best friend. She also was one of those celebrities locally who did um, a lot of AIDS fundraiser work, like tirelessly, you know, uh, during the height of it and for years and years afterwards. She really dedicated herself to that. Robert Osborne from Turner Classic Movies, whose past was the best man at her wedding. So she just, you know, between the loose, I just, that's the period of Hollywood that I just romanticize. I wish mm-hmm. I could bet in my big Etzel driving around with Carol Cook as we went to play Marjan at Lucy's house, you know, that's, <laughs> um, and she, and she survived all this time. So rest in perfection, the wonderful Carol Cook. Beautiful. Number three, Randy. Number three. It's me. Number three, Blake. (laughs) I wanted to take just a few seconds. We're a little over, so I'll keep this short to talk about the new film, Megan. Have you guys seen it? No. Is it about Harry's wife, Megan? (laughs) Close, but no. Um, It is about, Megan stands for, let me see, Model 3 Generative Android. So she's a doll. So... Horror movies have a new killer doll besides Chucky, and it's Megan. And to quote Fenton, this movie is camp as tits. <laughs> it's so good. The people, I went like the opening night, Thursday night before it opened. Everyone in the theater was very involved, laughing, hooting and hollering. 
it's basically so there's this little girl katie and she's with her parents on a ski trip and they both get killed so she goes to live with her roboticist aunt Gemma, played by allison williams nice. who creates this lifelike doll that um is is Katie's best friend. So is it meant to keep her company? It's sort of like done in kindness or is it creep, creepy from the beginning? Well, it's pretty creepy from the beginning just because of what she looks like, but <laughs> she does this dance that's hilarious. There's this one part where she um sings titanium like to Katie. It's you have to see it. Fenton, I think you'll love it. It's in theater. So now. it's camp. It is. Is there something more than camp to it? Is there some other um, emotional connection that you felt? Or is it just, is it camp? I like, thought it was pretty much just camp. Like, I, I mean, I'm sure there are some people that find, like, find other meanings in it. But, yeah. I think if Randy saw Megan on the plane... He would have a deep emotional involvement with it. That's what I think. (laughs) Totally. I can't wait to see it. I cannot wait. You should. That is a movie you need to see with a group of people, though. That would bring me to the theater, I think. Yep. I also see memes. I'm sorry. I also see memes that um, compare her to that that TV show about the littlest robot. What was that show? Oh, Small Wonders. Yes. (laughs) Is it better than Small Wonder? Oh no! Is it too scary for for nine year olds? Uh, I don't think so. There's only like two murders really in it, okay. and they, it's not very bloody or anything. And I know is it set Fenton up for a sequel. Is it set up for a sequel? It is set up for a sequel, and I know Fenton would have let Nolan watch it at three. So, well, Elliot, you know, Elliot is the youngest in the family, but he's the horror aficionado. He loves all the Sharknado movies. He loves the multi-headed shark attack, and. He loves what he loves to do when watching horror films is count the number of bodies. So we get to the end of the film. He says, there were 98 people killed in that movie. He counts them all. And so maybe I it's should like say this to Megan. Street. <laughs> so he counts. He's really good at counting. Beautiful. He uses a lear- as a learning tool, a teaching tool. There you go. All right. That's Megan in theaters now. Moving on to number two. And speaking of things that gay people like moi connect to... Number two. Um, last weekend was DragCon. And one of the many highlights was the presence of the Teletubbies. Now, <laughs> I I didn't grow up with the Teletubbies because I'm seriously old. But the Teletubbies are, are about 25 years old. Or, or 25 years ago, 1998, they launched. And I do remember with Nolan when he was a baby watching the Teletubbies. If you haven't seen Teletubbies, they're these giant creatures who live in a garden with a grassy knoll and they're like one is green one is one is yellow one is red one is purple and they all have little sort of antenna on their heads Uh, one of whom is called tinky winky the purple one tinky winky has an up a a triangle on his or her head i mean obviously these tally tories are for kids so they're not they don't have genitalia Tinky Winky so non-binary. Carry a handbag or a purse. They're non-binary. non-binary. The is non-binary. And the show was an amazing hit. And I'm so excited to reveal that after 25 years, they are returning to Netflix has rebooted them. And it was such an honor and a thrill that they, they came to DragCon. 
because they are beloved and they performed Bing Bang Bong on the stage with Ahura. Um, they did the choreography. And it made me think of back in the 90s, 1999 to be precise, Jerry Falwell, the then example of right-wing evangelical Christian lunacy, who actually was a very powerful figure in America and helped Reagan get elected and kind of changed the face of America. He came out against Tinky Winky and said that Tinky Winky was gay and that boys should not be running around holding handbags. And there was a huge, big fuss. And the reason I tell that story is I just love the fact that the Teletubbies made it no mind. It didn't stop them. He tried to shame them, tried to cancel them. It didn't work. And here they are back again. And it just made me think, you know, we're living in this time of polarization. We've got this whole drag queen, anti-drag queen story hour movement, this sort of radical right-wing attempt to uh, demonize drag as, as sort of uh, groomers. And I just thought, oh my gosh, this is deja vu. This is what Falwell tried to do with the Teletubbies back last century. And it was so great to see them. And it was just so fun that they were there. I, I, it just, Tom, what did you think? It just lifted my spirits. I, uh, there's something about the, the way they're, they're, they exist. They're just, they emanate joy and happiness. Their shape, their color. And again, it's costumes, but it's, it's, I guess it's like Mickey Mouse. You just are joyful around them and they bring joy and, and, and it's, it's was bright and colorful. And I was going to say, it looked like they had a great time, but it did. <laughs> they fit in so well. And they seem to like be there for a long time and just did tireless, you know, appearances and their line was huge. And uh, it was very exciting. Very exciting. You guys had a good time at DragCon, right? It was, more importantly than we had a good time, I got to walk the floor as Fenton did tirelessly. And the queens, the fans had the best time ever. But, you know, it's a lot of work for queens to be out in public, to be out in public during the, you know, even post-pandemic, to be in heels, to be in makeup. You know, they go out at night, they come back. Everyone I talked to, and I hope it's not an exception, but everyone I talked to had the best time because it was, it had more of an international feel because it's here in London and we had American queens and French queens and Italian queens and down under queens and it really, it humbled all of us. I talked to a group of them uh, the other day and it just, you just realize you can't even wrap, one person can't wrap their arms around drag race. It's bigger than all of us. And we all kind of all hold hands around it. And it's this, it's a beautiful thing. And, and the, you know, every drag con, the atmosphere and the appreciation and the expression is so beautiful. I, I, I go on and on because I just, it's, it's hard to put into words because it's, it's a, the Queen's Parade was spectacular as each country came out. Because, you know, at this point now, there's 17 countries. And they each had like, you know, from, from, from Italia, the Queen's from Italia, and the Queen's from Spain. It was a really, um, it was just a global love-in and a love fest. And, and Tom and I were staying at the hotel where all the Queen's were. So you couldn't go to your room without <laughs> running into... Queens in very close States quarters, but it was, it was, and even in the lobby, everyone was lovely and fun and, and caring. So it really was. However, if you missed out, don't worry because DragCon LA tickets available for May 12th and 13th at the Los Angeles Convention Center. Just go to RuPaul'sDragCon.com and get your tickets now. All right, one more break and then we'll reveal the number one thing this week that made us go wow here on the Wow Report on Radio Andy. 
You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Welcome back to the Wow Report. I am Fenton, joined by my partner at World of Wonder, Randy Barbado, uh, sitting in for James St. James, who's away this week. And of course, our Chief Creative Officer, Tom Campbell, and the um, lovely Blake. Yes. We've been counting down the top 10 things that made us go, wow, we've reached number one. Number one. This is us talking about ourselves, but there is a phenomenon. Season 15 of RuPaul's Drag Race premiered last week. Episode two airs tonight on MTV and if around the world on Royal Presents Plus. Um, it's, you know, it's 15 years old. We've been doing it for 15 years. And while we <laughs> love doing it, you sometimes wonder... And I've been worried about, you know, I'm a warrior. I'm worst case scenario, Tommy. I have earthquake kits like with me here. I'm just waiting for bad stuff to happen. But you wonder after like five years, is it going to get stale? After 10 years, is it going to get stale? And after 15 years and the, the jury was out, but we got incredible, you know, people are back in the bars. People loved it. All the videotaping of people's, you know, we had Ariana Grande, we had Vivacious. We had all this like great fun surprise stuff. It was a two hour premiere and um, and the reviews, not that we read them, but we do. And the recaps, people were excited. It feels like a new new day. Um, and the queens, um, while they are always great, they're every year they outdo us. And there's there's two there's twins who are TikTok twins who come from a whole got to drag from a whole different avenue, and they bring freshness and and conflict and contrast in a really healthy, creative way. But it's um, and it was quite a week because RuPaul also had uh, this p- past uh, week had he, uh, the American version of Lingo, the reboot of Lingo, premiered mm-hmm. on CBS to some really solid ratings. And it's a really fun and addictive show. So the surprise of season 15 being successful or that it still has this life or has a new life, a big part of that has to do with Ru. It, it, it's just how he finds. He rediscovers joy in it every season, you know, because you think, oh, you know, it, like, here we go, season 15, where do I got to, you know, where do I got to be? And, but, but it's not like that. And you can kind of, you feel that on set, you know, yeah. you feel that when he's playing in his, you know, in that back room, putting together a look or what, whatever, like it, he's engaged and having fun. And when he's having fun and he's engaged, it's sort of, it's fun for everyone. Yeah, Mm. absolutely. I love that. Well, thanks for tuning in. That's all we've got time for this week on The Wow Report. You can catch previous episodes and you can actually watch them on our YouTube channel, Wow Presents, and you will see all the bits that we cut out for the radio show uh, (laughs) on them. Thank you, Randy. Thank you, Tom. It's been so exciting to bring you this special edition from rainy London, England. Um, Same time, same place next week. Until then, go out and do something that makes the world go wow. Wow.